Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to We've Never Been Clicked. This is Cuppy Cup with Good Bull Hunting. And tonight I have Cool Hand Lucas co-hosting with me. How are you, Cool Hand? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Another damn paradox. <laughs> All right. And tonight we're very happy to welcome one of the family, SB Nation writer extraordinaire, Bill Connolly, also advanced stats expert, really well known for football study hall around SB Nation parts, particularly well known for his season previews where... I believe you preview every single college football team. Is that right, Bill? Correct. Yeah. All right. 128. I guess it's going to be 120. No, wait. Is it going to be 129 or are we losing? Are we losing Idaho next year? Is this a test? I don't remember. I, yeah, well, I mean, I'm testing myself here. It's, uh, yeah, anyway, about 128. So somewhere between 125 and 130 teams every season. Yes, Bill's providing us with, with very in-depth previews. Bill is also a uh, published author. I believe <laughs> Study Hall uh, hit the bookshelves a, a few years ago. Is that right? And uh, yeah, you have another one in the works. Yeah, the uh, Study Hall came out in 2013. And then uh, the new one is going to be called the 50 best uh, college football teams of all time. It is not actually the best at all. There's a big asterisk next to best. It's basically the innovative teams, the interesting teams, the the influential teams. And there's an A&M team on the list. I, I did the 93 A&M team that almost beat Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl the year after getting getting thumped a little bit. Got to talk about the, the wrecking crew and all that. It was, I think, a pretty good chapter. So is that why you added the asterisk because of the a M team? Um, let's just say that there's also 1970 Dartmouth, um, <laughs> 19, I think 1972 Tampa, uh, 1930 uh, Utah. There, there are a lot of teams that probably don't qualify as one of the 50 best. Basically, the goal of the book was was to use as many different programs as possible and basically tell college football story over the last hundred whatever years. So it starts with 06 Chicago, 1906 Chicago, uh, the first team that kind of knew how to throw the ball forward. Um, and then the last team on the list is 2013 Auburn. So, uh, covers a lot of ground and it's going to be a, it's not going to be a 900 page book, but it's going to be thicker than study hall. How far along are you? Uh, I've been going in chronological order so I can kind of, you know, keep the narratives in mind. Uh, I finished, uh, in, I finished 93 A&M and 93 Wisconsin this week. I'm about to finish 94 Nebraska. I think that means I've got eight teams left if I remember right. Okay. So we're pretty fresh on your mind, at least the 1993 version of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the, probably more so than the 2016 version, because I haven't previewed you guys yet. And I rely on those previews to actually form thoughts. We always <laughs> aim to invite our guests on the show before they're prepared to talk about A&M. Then we can kind of catch you off guard. I can tell you there are a lot of really good Leland McElroy, uh, YouTube highlights. So, Oh, nice. Um, that's that, that's fresh in my mind and I'm okay with that. Did he have the cutoff jersey? Well, it was it was 1993. They pretty much all did. If you were there's any chance you're going to have the ball in your hands, <laughs> um, you were wearing the cutoff jersey so they couldn't actually grab you. I was actually remember watching those games, so I just I didn't want to really show my age. Uh, <laughs> of course, that was three three or four years before I went to A and M, and back then I was an LSU fan, and that was the run of five years where A and M was just. They stopped LSU that year. 
handing Curly Hallman his ass year after year. So <laughs> wait, so you were an LSU fan at that time? Yeah, I'm from Louisiana, so I grew up an LSU fan. And one of the reasons I went to A&M was because I was tired of rooting for a bad football team. Oh, so, so this is all karma to get you back? Is that what's happening? Yeah, something like that. Well, that was, I, I mean, I, I was just screwing myself writing about that team because, I mean, the LSU game, I, there's very little about that game because it was just not much there other than the LSU quarterback. If, I, I don't remember. He went he went like five, five for 20 with three picks or something hilarious. But um, the two weeks after they beat LSU 24 nothing, they beat my Missouri Tigers 73 nothing. Again, it kind of still gets talked about, uh, to be quite honest, because it was so amazing um, where A&M is try- almost literally trying not to score in the second half. And Missouri's like, no, 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 here, block <laughs> a punt. Yeah. Um, we, we got our karma for that 2003. Yeah, I was thinking 77 nothing as well. Kindred spirit. <laughs> You're kind of in the thick of your previews now, or maybe on the tail end of your previews with just the SEC left. Have you started to dig in yet to the to the A&M team this year? Uh, not yet. Like I, I basically, I'm I'm about two thirds of the way through the Big Ten uh, right now. I should finish them next week, and then it'll uh, so kick started started up with Kentucky the week after that. But no, I mean, I, I A&M was a team kind of they're kind of in the same boat as Auburn. Obviously, a team that has plenty of talent and could easily, if you get that that gel, uh, you know, that gelling together, this could easily be a top fifteen team. But if you watched the team last year, it's hard to. It's hard to see that. It's hard to see that much uh, coming together. You just—it's it, on paper they should have never been. Uh, what did they finish in my rankings last year? Forty second, I think. Um, yeah. You just look position to position, and it, and it's still it's still there. The defense absolutely improved. The offense had at least one efficient back uh, in Carson, and Murray was running all over. Like in the good moments, that was a, a really solid team. But, you know, biggest problem with someone right now is every single year he's got a young team. Every single year he's relying on freshmen and sophomores and freshmen and sophomores generally tend to be idiots at random times um, <laughs> that you can't really stop. And, and when you look at I mean, that's I think the biggest issue A&M's had. They had a freshman and sophomore quarterback last year, freshman uh, receiver leading the way. Uh, only the running back position was particularly experienced. Defense, even the best defensive player was a sophomore. So, well, well this year our team, our team is pretty deep, you know, or experienced on, particularly on defense, mm-hmm. where everybody comes back. I think I looked the other day, and we have something like three or four uh, underclassmen in the two D. I mean, this year the defense, at least the defense, is uh, loaded, you know, and also on offense, you know, pretty much all our receivers come back. The healthy James White you know, comes back and we really won't play looking at the roster. I don't see us playing a lot of freshmen, if any true freshmen this year. Yeah. It'll, it'll certainly be a change this year. And um, other than a a potentially questionable linebacker core, I think we are pretty excited about the defense. Yeah, it really did. Granted the bar was low, but Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, you know, to improve at least as much as you did last year, you know, the past defense was phenomenal last year in the rushing in my rushing S&P plus, they were 82nd last year. That was a massive improvement. That was a huge step forward getting up to 82nd, but they were second in passing. So, I mean, it's very clear, you know, where, where the issues are on, uh, you know, in those standard down situations, they're only okay. But if you, if you can get the offense leveraged into second and eight, third and six, uh, a and off occasionally gets burned deep. Yeah. But, uh, but they're very good passing downs defense and, and, so if the offense simply comes around due to some level of experience and at the very least, the new quarterback is experienced, you know, it, it, it's not hard to see this coming together. It's just, you know, it, it's hard to forget what your eyeballs have seen. Yeah. So what's your what's your Trevor Knight take 
You have you did you watch him play very much when he was at? Yeah, OU? I mean, I, 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 well, unfortunately, I did. I mean, that was the biggest thing heading into last year or two years ago. I, it's it's been fun previewing OU, um, but after the 2013 year when they when they torched Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and they were suddenly like top three or four or whatever in the country, I, I had to write the the piece where hey, uh, Trevor Knight wasn't that good the rest of the year, and hey, the, the, they were this was the worst OU team in quite a while. They just they hit the home run against Alabama and they were otherwise really mediocre. Uh, so I had to talk down about Trevor Knight uh, a little bit. The glimpses he showed were, you know, were obvious. So you, nobody else does that to Alabama, obviously. Um, well, <laughs> except uh, young A&M quarterbacks, I guess. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he, he he really when he's got it together, he's accurate. He's in control. Uh, but he gets hurt a decent amount of the time. And, and when it doesn't work, it is pretty spectacularly awful. You go back to that 2013, he starts 11 for 28 against uh, Louisiana Monroe and finishes 32 for 44 against Alabama. So, um, you know, he didn't really have like when his, when he was the starter in, in 2014, he had basically one receiver and a bunch of guys who none of them would step up from week to week. Uh, Sterling Shepard gets hurt. Uh, he, he really didn't have any good luck. Uh, but he also didn't produce good stats. And then last year he was just kind of the, you know, the, in, in the background guy. So right. it's hard to really, it's hard to tell. It's, it's really hard to tell what he's capable of at this point. We saw the upside once, maybe a couple of other times, uh, but the, the deck was stacked against him in 2014. Well, I think yep. since you're an advanced statistics guy, I'm going to tell you my theory. I think that the Alabama game was the mean for Trevor Knight and that this okay. season at A&M, <laughs> we're going to see progression toward the mean. So all those other games where he was below that, that was on one side of the scale. And now he's going to be above that every single right, week, every week. Yeah. Parti- particularly right. against Alabama. So we're just going to have to wait and see, but um, I, you might want to go ahead and get a Heisman bet in now. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming the odds are pretty decent. I for think that. he's 50 to one, which actually seemed pretty favorable. Yeah. No, you know, it, it really, you can talk like that's a great 50 to one bet, honestly, because <laughs> I mean, you can, you can see when you then you remind yourself they got Christian Kirk and Josh Reynolds and maybe Seals Jones puts it all together. You can you can definitely talk yourself into that um, for for being 50 to one, at least. Right. Yeah. And you left off like Speedy Noyle. So, yeah. we, you know, we're six deep at wide receiver. You know, we've got Keith Ford from Oklahoma coming in as a back, you know, healthy James White as, you know, a third down back. You know, there's the weapons are so plentiful. I mean, all he has to be is average and not make mistakes, which is what someone alluded to is, is, you know, the problem that he's worked on. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't throw interceptions, it can just complete five and 10 yard passes, but we should be able to move the ball again. Just looking at, you know, the S and P ranking, you know, last in 2013, our final one was 42 and last year we were 42. So we've kind yeah. of stagnated <laughs> and it seems like same, same of the same issues that, you know, that you pointed out last year are, probably still there you know can the quarterback experiment work is the offensive line going to be good enough and can we right. uh, and i will point out that you were actually you were totally spot on about whether how much the how much effect chavis could have and uh yeah he moved us from 100 to 50 you know overall in defense so i think that's that was spot on as the as the upside as we can do so if we can improve even more you know we've got a shot yeah, I really, you know, when I was writing last year's A&M preview, I mean, I thought that the defense was, you know, it was clear the defense was going to progress to some degree. I, you know, if you would have told me that the defense would have improved that much, I'd have thought A&M won 10 games. I had no idea that the offense could uh, retreat to the <laughs> level that it did. 
uh, especially in, in the passing game. Well, I mean, obviously, when you're back, when you're going between two quarterbacks and one of them is a lot further along with his legs than than his arms, then I mean, the passing game can struggle. But 81st in passing S and P plus was uh, not. I, I did not think that was particularly conceivable. So um, we're all in the yeah, same boat with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Allen experiment did not work. And I, and I will quote. I just want to give you a shout out here. Is like this is a quote from your preview last year that being blessed with two quarterbacks can be a curse. You probably can't get away with playing both of them, so one of them is probably going to leave. And as yeah. it turns out, we couldn't get away with playing both of them, so they both left. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> we weird. Went, that was a, not- that whole December situation was really, really strange. Yes, you just have to take the leap of faith with us that a team where everything that could possibly fall apart fell apart is going to gel now. It's uh, sure, yeah. No, the defense it really is experienced. The defense should be solid yeah. this year. Um, but yeah, I, at this point, you just have to throw your hands up about the offense because it just doesn't make any sense. Right. And that's what was maddening is that, you know, 2012 and 2013 and early 2014, the problem was just getting one stop on defense. Yeah. And then from the second half of 14 and all of 2015, we were like, can we just get a touchdown? The LSU <laughs> game was maddening. I think Brandon Harris went 7-21. Oh, yeah. And we're like, if we can just score one time, we can win this game. Uh, so. Yeah, trust me, I'm a Missouri fan. I, I this is uh, <laughs> these emotions are um, you know both winning and losing a nine six game last year really changes your perspective on life. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you know, and, and uh, <laughs> as a uh, independentable advocate, I really needed y'all to get the six win last year. It was really rooting hard, and I was dying <laughs> when y'all couldn't score a single touchdown. It was killing me. So, uh, yeah, I, and I don't even I, need to ask. Uh, yeah, well, I should ask which game you're talking about. There are a lot of games when we couldn't score a single <laughs> touchdown. But yeah, yeah especially uh, Georgia, I think, was the most frustrating because that's there. You don't get a shot at, you know, every time you go to Athens, you're not going to get a shot at winning. Um, and to leave that one on the table was really, really frustrating. Georgia was begging to give that game up. Just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I saw Barrett Salee. Is that how you say that from Bleacher Report? I always say Sally. I've, I've never actually heard it said out loud, so I'm not sure. But I always say Sally. Yeah, that's the trouble with social media, right? We just read, read yeah, people's exactly. names. But uh, Oh, crap. I actually have to say these now. <laughs> but Barrett predicted uh, Missouri as Tennessee's trap game this year. So I was just reading his mentions where... Tennessee fans were just like they're horrible responses, but they were very upset with that uh, presumption that Missouri had any chance of beating Tennessee. Right. Because it's because Missouri's not three and one against Tennessee so far. Uh, and <laughs> since going to the SEC. Right. Yeah, that's an unfathomable. Well, I'm, I'm thinking Texas A&M Missouri SEC championship game. I mean, I'm, I, you know, if I'm cool with it, you know, we can <laughs> we can just go ahead and set that up. See if anybody notices. I hated playing Missouri when when we were on our way out of the big 12 and, uh, and you were beating us every year that, and we played you every year and it was, yeah, that was, we, we went to Kyle, Kyle field, like three straight yeah, years. It was, horrible. It was interesting, <laughs> but yeah, no complaints on our, right. I guess. Yeah. I, I can tell you, Missouri is one of those teams kind of like a and that nobody ever wants to see on their schedule because they can beat you no matter what state they're in. And I'm like, and I, I agree with the cup. I was just about to say that I hated playing Missouri every year. I thought it wasn't fair <laughs> because, Every year, I, I can't remember what year it was. I mean, the one year we when we beat y'all, we get it was on a on a fluke deal, and then of course we beat y'all in 2012 with Manzel. But then the next year, when we should have beaten y'all, you know, we lose, and yeah. it's just it just it's just maddening because y'all play great against teams that people don't expect to play great against. 
and they can just jump up and just bite you. You know, you got to the SEC championship game and nobody predicted that. So I'm glad that y'all are off our schedule finally. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The the relationship between A and M and Missouri is funny in general because um you know a couple like a couple months ago for SB Nation we did the the getting rid of divisions experiment where you know you play you play three constant rivals every year and then you play five and then you play the other five and you basically played everybody within two years it's awesome right. like it would work spectacularly but assigning permanent rivals to everybody was funny because like um i can't i can't remember if it was jason kirk or, or somebody basically just kind of automatically put missouri and a&m together and i was like well yeah kind of you know sort of because you know big 12 and whatnot but I don't think Missouri fans really care about playing AM anymore. I don't think AM fans care about playing Missouri anymore. I don't know if that's a good one. No, <laughs> so. we're, we're actually excited about the South Carolina. I mean, I like that rivalry. And having lived in, I lived in Arkansas for a few years. And I know at that time, particularly, I guess it stems from basketball, there's some real hate between Arkansas and Missouri that people don't really talk about. So I think that's a real natural rivalry. And I'm glad that that yeah. came about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, you know, played a couple times in bowl games in the 2000s, had a, a few big recruiting battles like, you know, Green Beckham and whatnot. And, and it gets bitter real fast. And, you know, it kind of it's it's st- well, it, I was going to say it stinks because the Missouri's bad at basketball right now. Of course, it stinks that Missouri's bad at basketball, but it especially stinks because there was a really kind of a fun thing going there with with Mike Anderson now being at Arkansas. Yeah. Um, where there's a real intense environment for a couple of years. There was great. And then Missouri just became overnight, became wretched at basketball and, and nothing matters right now. But if, if Mizzou gets its act together, then uh, it could be a great basketball rivalry should turn out to be a pretty good. I, I, I understand why, why Arkansas fans are frustrated. You know, they had LSU on Thanksgiving uh, and now they have to go with this kind of glued together rivalry that might be something real later, but isn't now. And um, so I, I can, I can, I know I understand their frustration, but it's still going to be a pretty fun thing for Thanksgiving, I think. Well, I can tell you that the Arkansas fans really loved the LSU game. You know, Thanksgiving, yeah. they really tried to make a rivalry. The LSU fans could not have cared less <laughs> right. at all. They, right. they hated it. You know, they hated going to War Memorial Stadium. They hated all of that. They thought it was so hard. And they, they've really embraced the A&M game more so. So I think it all yeah, works out at the end. Yeah, this all makes sense. I, uh, yeah, I understand why Arkansas fans are mad, but what the arrangement there makes a lot of sense with A&M, LSU, and Missouri, Arkansas. Yeah. And to, to clear the air, Bill, the only team that we don't care about playing is Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally, yes. <laughs> and there are, there are thousands of, of threads and comments that you can look at to verify that. Uh, the, asserting that it very exactly thing, yeah. <laughs> it's starting it loudly in all caps yeah. we don't yeah. yeah it just doesn't make good business sense you know so <laughs> sure yeah that, that game wouldn't sell out we're very dispassionate fans we we just look at the the bottom line we want to know is this going to be good for business good for the brand Right. Yeah. That game definitely wouldn't sell at a 200,000 seat stadium at this point. Right. Well, I guess that's the funny thing is that even the arguments don't make any sense against it. But, you know, <laughs> who, are, who are we to say, I guess. Getting back to A&M's offense and the kind of mystery that the offense brought us last season. Now we have Noel Mazzoni coming from UCLA. And I figured since you cover every team every year that maybe you have some kind of nugget or insight into what UCLA's offense looked like and what we might expect to see out of Mazzoni's offense here? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I enjoyed it at, at, at uh, UCLA. And where was he before that? Arizona State, I think. Yeah, um, Arizona State, right before UCLA. Yeah, 
used a lot of motion. Um, I, I remember playing them, uh, Missouri playing them in, I think 2011 and yeah, lots of motion, lots of kind of just misdirection, making you account for like six different things at the snap. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think I saw quite as much of that at UCLA, but it is kind of whatever, you know, the, the quote unquote pro style label is, is kind of ridiculous at this point. It doesn't really actually mean anything, right. but it really, whatever it does still mean it, this, it, I always kind of envision Mazzoni's attack as kind of a pro style half pro style, half spread. There's a lot, there was tempo last year, lots of solo tackles, lots of passes to the edge. It was, it was a pass first offense. I, I, I don't know if it will be at AM. Maybe he'll lean on the run a little bit more, but I mean, he's got a senior quarterback and an experienced receiving course. So maybe not. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I always enjoyed it. It's a, it's an efficiency offense. It, it really is. It's meant to get six yards over all else. And that can be, you know, from a stat standpoint, that's very, very, very important, especially if you've got guys who can catch a six yard pass, break a tackle and, and go a long way. If you don't have the athletes, then you're just, you're relying on digging and ducking and you'll eventually stall. But you know, if, if Knight can run that offense and, and I mean, maybe he can, maybe he's perfect for it, then um, it really could allow a really deep receiving core to thrive. Along those lines, I mean, because basically a lot of what you do is you take a look at the advanced stats and figure out who is actually better than their record and who is worse than their record. Right. Looking at, you know, this coming up year, I mean, I know a lot of people are hyping up Washington and a few other teams. Personally, I think on the up downside, I think there are a few teams that are going to be a lot worse than people think. And one of those I think is Mississippi State. And around the SEC or even the Big 12, are there, are there teams out there that you think are really poised to have much better years than people are expecting or worse years? Yeah, Mississippi State's an interesting test this year because, um, well, among other things, the the, the guy who was the backup quarterback year last year, what Nick Robinson, I think, could not have had better stats. He was averaging like twenty yards per pass or something at one point. Like in a tiny sample, in a relatively small sample, and a lot of garbage time, he was absolutely spectacular. So. That that probably doesn't translate, but if it translates, I mean, I, I he's hard to take down. He's a big dude, and um, you know, if if he is able to click and account of account for Mississippi State's loss production there. I mean, in theory, things could work out okay. But and, and from a stat standpoint, obviously, when you recruit at a top 25 level and you've been playing at a top 25 level, you're going to be projected pretty well. I think they're 21st in my projections, which I, I don't think I would have them that high. But you, there's at least potential there. Uh, but it all, a lot of it is going to be based around the quarterback position and, and whether they've got something there or not. So they're 21st and we're 25th. Why do you hate my team, Bill? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, Mississippi State, you look at uh, when I did the projections, I tried to, you know, these have different weights, but I, I basically break this into three components. There's the recruiting angle, the returning production angle and the and the weighted five year average. So it's weighted more. It's five years, but it's more towards the present, obviously. So Mississippi State's a very consistently projected team. They're 23rd per recruiting, 20th per uh, production and 24th per five year. The great AM, 13th, 40th and 11th. So yeah, all over. All so, over. Yeah. Based on nothing but five year uh, performance and recruiting, that's a top 15 team. And then you look at last year's iffy production and then what's returning from it. And suddenly they're down to the 40th in that way. And then Auburn's the same way, fourth, 33rd and 23rd. So um, we'll see what that means. This is the first year I've done it like this. We'll see if like the the teams that are all over the place are, are in, you know, higher variance as I kind of expect them to be. Or if there's kind of a, a if there's a little bit of stability for the teams that are projected relatively consistently, I would hope for variance because Missouri is 34th, 77th, and 27th. So I'm all for <laughs> variance on the upside. That's right. Uh, 
Yeah, I point out that last year, all for the AM fans listening, all four SEC West teams and all four of our regular season losses were to preseason top 10 teams, according to Bill's right. rankings, yeah. including Alabama, Ole Miss, Auburn, and LSU. So, <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know where the, our team schedule ranks this year, but, you know, I hope we can beat well, some of those. Let's put it this way. A&M is 25th projected overall. They're also, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th in the SEC. So um, because uh, the recruiting doesn't have a major, major impact on these numbers, but it has enough. And obviously, um, you know, the recruiting is always going to favor any sort of recruiting angle is always going to favor the SEC. So lots of lots of teams uh, clustered together there. So, I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of what you want. It's going to be fun, but it's sort just, of fun anyway. It's just SEC bias, Paul. I mean, that's, come on. that's right. I got to I've been conformed. Yeah. Do you get do Welcome. you get accused of bias when you're using stats? Um. I get accused of not watching the games. That's fun. Oh, sure. uh, and, you know, stats don't account for, you know, whatever heart or whatever. That's, that's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> Nebraska, Nebraska fans, people like Nebraska, Kansas fans for a couple of years, when I would point out just how wretched they were going to be, um, I would get, well, just remember he's a Missouri fan. Like, well, yeah. And you're still terrible <laughs> and you're still blatantly terrible. There's no way you're going to be good. Um, that's like when we point out to uh, Texas that, you know, they're 11 and 14 in their last two years. And, uh, our backup quarter, our third string quarterback had more passing yards per game than theirs did, but we're the oh, one God. with a quarterback problem and yeah. a coaching problem. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, I'm looking yeah. at football study hall and you have a. Uh, 1971 Nebraska team is truly incredible piece. So it looks like yeah. you're a Nebraska Homer from where I'm sitting. That's right. I, it's really hard to accuse me of anything else. Although they tried when um, the numbers graded, I think it was Florida state slightly better than Nebraska in the nineties. That, that, that was a sin. That was, <laughs> that was absolute blasphemy. Getting back to sec modern day talk here. How do you see the sec West playing out this year? Can you put the teams in order for us? Well, I mean, I feel comfortable, comfortable about the top two. Anyway. Sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, I pick Alabama to win every game and win the national title every season. And, and you're usually going to be right. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't have any problem starting with them. And I think LSU, obviously like the, the normal pressure on LSU has now doubled, not only because, or he, because less miles survived, but then also because they returned so freaking much that um, it's really going to be hard to screw this up. But, you know, it's possible. You know, I, I think you know, starting with those two, they're probably ahead of everybody else. My numbers love Ole Miss, uh, you know, not, not only because of their recruiting, but, you know, that offense is still probably going to be really good. It kind of just depends on how far the defense falls. Uh, so I'm really I, I don't completely trust them. But I'm, maybe I trust them more than Arkansas or, or of course, you know, Mississippi State or A&M or Auburn. So uh, those top three feel pretty good to me. And after that, I think it's just a mashup. Like like I said, my numbers kind of like Mississippi State. I don't really completely trust them. I'd probably put them on the bottom. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Auburn and A&M are just, you know, they're, they're just a, a giant landmine. You have, there's absolutely no telling what they're going to be capable of this year, good or bad. And, and for especially Auburn. The, the beginning of the season really could dictate how the rest plays out. It could be a snowball thing. Mm -hmm. um, if they get killed by who are, they're starting with Clemson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they get killed by Clemson or something, it could get really nasty there, but if they compete well and then they win a couple close games and whatnot, then they could be just fine. And the whole first week is awesome. You know, we open up with UCLA, I think Ole Miss plays Florida state. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of conference trash talk, but it's going to, yeah. they're just, there's just going to be too much to watch. Yeah, Missouri-West Virginia is like the 10th best SEC game that day. So, um, 
Yeah, no, good, good first week. We'll see about the second and third weeks. It, it drops off quickly after that. But yeah. uh, the first week should be. They did a really nice job with the first week. Yeah. Well, don't forget to catch the Mississippi State, South Alabama. It's going to be a barn burner. Joey Jones, guy who gets kicked in the face and keeps coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, do you think Kevin Sumlin is going to be coaching Texas A&M in 2017? It was amazing to th- to like pr- to go back to 2013 and say, "Hey, uh, someone and Malzahn are both going to be just about out the door <laughs> to start 2016." That's nuts. It's so hard. I mean, there are going to be so many toss ups on their on that schedule that I I mean, this really could take on an, any different sort of narratives um, as we go along. I my, for whatever reason, I mean, my gut's wrong a lot, but my gut says he probably does survive. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it also. Because the the world loves uh, Tom Herman so much, maybe it kind of depends on how Texas is doing too, and and whether you need to jump in and maybe try to nab Herman before Texas can or something. I don't know. It's it's so it's it's I really struggle to make any sort of prediction. The schedule though beat UCLA and things start to look a lot better. Then you got yeah. Prairie View, and I like Prairie View. I got a, a, a profile on Prairie View's coach. He's awesome. They're, they're still not going to win that game. Great um, band too. Great band. The, the only band to ever win halftime at Cap Caulfield. So, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, that's they're a really good story, but they're still going to lose. Sure. And then, but I mean, Auburn, Arkansas, if you split those two even and then beat South Carolina, um, you know, you have a chance at Tennessee at home. You, you can start to piece together a real nice eight, nine, ten, well, probably not 10, I guess, maybe 10. Somewhere between uh, because, five and 10 wins. Right, exactly. <laughs> I just for Missouri, I just pick eight every year, and I'm I'm pretty much exactly three off every single year, <laughs> one way or the other. Um, but your average is killer. Exactly right. They've averaged eight wins a year, and I've, that's what I pick every. But no, you, like home road isn't bad. You get LSU at home, you get Tennessee at home, Mississippi State. It might be manageable on the road. A- Alabama's probably unreachable either way. Um, so you might as well play them on the road. So no, it's it's a good schedule, and and if you beat UCLA and and kind of start three and one or so four and one, I guess out of the gates, then things will look okay. I just I oh, it could I, I, Auburn's the biggest snowball effect there, I think, but A and M could too. Can you it. imagine though if uh, if Texas and and A and M both miss bowl games this year, the Tom Herman bidding war? Yeah, how much? Like, and part of this too is um per the preview I wrote about Houston. Houston was lucky as hell last year. They really. That was probably more like an 11 and three team that went 13 and one and 11, three still really good. But I am curious, like he, the, but the bar was set so absurdly high mm-hmm. that I'm curious what happens if, you know, A&M and, and Texas are both maybe getting in the coaching market, but Houston only went like nine and three. Oh, sure. Or to, to make it even more interesting, went nine and three and got drubbed by Oklahoma of all teams. Right. <laughs> um, that it becomes kind of interesting to see, like, does his name remain? A t- I think he's awesome. I mean, I, you know, he's he's really good, even if even if it was only really kind of an 11 win team last year. He's awesome. He's gotten really good. You know, he, he's been co- uh, led by David Bailiff and Urban Meyer. He's had diverse influences. He moved up the ladder perfectly. Like, I, I think he's the real deal. But to see A&M in Texas, knowing that he's the top name on both lists, knowing that he might not leave for any other job but one of those two. Yeah. Kind of well, I, I made this point on 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 my podcast on podcast ain't played nobody uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like, what if what if Texas goes nine and three, 
uh, exceeds expectations, plays a ton of freshmen, wins a lot of games, or maybe eight and four is a better example. But basically, like they still show weaknesses. Maybe people still aren't really loving Charlie Strong's style of ball. You kind of have to at least consider for a moment firing him anyway to get Tom Herman in to lead this this these freshmen and sophomores, right? That'd be so tacky. That would be the horrible. But, yeah, <laughs> but they're they're not going to do that. But if you're that sold on Tom Herman, if he goes like thirteen and zero or something right. this year. <laughs> And you have to at least to think about it for a second. They're, that's not going to happen. They're going to go seven and five and keep. They're caught in the Dennis Francione whirlpool of, <laughs> of hold the rope, cheesy slogans, destroy the roster, go four and eight, slowly build up, and then just get sick and tired of it. I mean, that, that is the. It's amazing to me that they are stuck in that. If he's going to fail, he should fail this year, though. At least if if you're a Texas fan, you're wanting him to fail. Right, like, immediately. Fail quickly while those guys are freshmen and sophomores, so you can maybe get Herman and, and – or even if not Herman, then somebody else to lead these guys while they're still impressionable freshmen and sophomores, I well, guess. That's what killed us with Fran. He he pulled off a nine-win season. Is that right, Lucas? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, he did that. Then a seven-and-five-win season, and then by then we're just – you know his last game, he beat Texas. And then was fired <laughs> like immediately, so, right? In the locker room, he immediately room. <laughs> fired. So, with a bowl eligible team going to the Alamo yeah. Bowl, I mean, that's how sick of them we were. So, he's uh, I, I like um, I toured the Bear Bryant Museum a couple of years ago, and um, I, I love it. He's you can find Mike Dubose in there, you can find Mike Shula in there. There's you cannot find Dennis Francione in there. <laughs> Uh, because he left them. Right, right. Yeah. And that's not, that does not happen. Oh, man. Is Mike Price in there? I think, well, probably not. No, I, I, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember. I, I didn't look for Mike Price. That, that would have been a really small exhibit. Yeah. I've been by there. That is in the middle of nowhere. So kudos to you. I mean, that is really... <laughs> Well, I love your stuff, Bill. Thanks for coming on. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any more questions. I don't know where. Yeah, I think we'll we'll let you off the hook. We we try to keep these around 30 minutes each. Um, okay. I, I want to help you plug your Twitter account because you're a fantastic follow. It is SBN <laughs> underscore Bill C. Did I get that right? Yep. Correct. All right. And uh, you'll let everyone know when your when your book is available, but they can buy Study Hall. Is that right? On Amazon? Right. Just go to Amazon, put in Bill Connolly Study Hall and it'll. I, I can't imagine it's not the first one that pops sure. up. So by that, you can learn something. And then uh, we'll look forward to reading about the 1993 uh, Texas A&M team in your next book. And of course, we'll look forward to your advanced stats breakdown of, of Texas A&M. Hopefully we've biased you a little bit so that you can look past some of the <laughs> some of the negatives and, and try to draw out some positives there. We're going to be good, Bill. Trust me. Yeah, we're going to be awesome. We're going to be amazing. Well, I, be awesome. I mean, it's the SEC West. I can pretty much talk up every single team and, and still pick you sixth or whatever right. in the West. <laughs> That's you. true. That's true. So maybe maybe this is the year we uh, we figure out the SEC West. Thunderdome. Yeah, it is. And it's Thunderdome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Bill. Um, and uh, we'll we'll try to have you back on this season uh, once once we have a look at that preview and, and kind of see the the trajectory that, that A&M's on. Hopefully a positive one. We'll see. I don't even know yet. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to commit to anything. We don't know either. I just pick six <laughs> wins every year and then enjoy it when we beat that. That's I right. keep picking 10. I keep being, I'm wrong every time. Yeah, see, you got to set expectations low. I'm, I'm enjoying life. All right, thanks so much, Bill. 